Before I pray, let me just put this uh, question in your mind. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, he says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good morals. So let me ask you, okay, straight up, straight up, before we even start. Who do you hang around with? Who do you hang with? Who do you run with? Evaluate your circle of intimacy. Who are you hanging around with? And then after you decide, okay, I know who I hang around with. Then the next question is, who influences who? You influence your group or your group influences you? And now the third question is that, who is, the, who, is, who is the one, the key influencer? There's one there who influences the most. Who is he? Oh, who is she? So that's the question that I need to ask you. Because the, the scripture that has been given to me has been given to me from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11, 12, and 13. And you see here in a moment that we have a duty because we are told that we are children of the light. The book of Ephesians has six times that how we ought to walk. Five of them are positive and the other one is negative. And that's from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Do not walk that way. But five times we are told that we are to walk. The word walk is a metaphor not literally your gait, how do you walk in? No, no, no. Here is metaphorically speaking about your behavior, your conduct, your comportment. How do you behave out in the street? What do you do when you're at home? What do you do when you're around your clique? What do you do when you hang around? Who are you? How do you behave? The book of Ephesians is all about, num the number one is to walk in good works, chapter 2, verse 10. To walk worthy of the calling of God, chapter 4, verse 1. And then the negative one, don't walk, Ephesians 4, 17. And then the next one, 4, we are to walk in love just as Christ walked in love. And that's chapter 5, verse 1. And then the fifth one, we are to walk as children of light. And that gives me a segue for my subject. If we are children of the light, and then what are we doing with darkness that ought not to be? And then we find the last one, that if we are children of the light, that we are to walk circumspectly, chapter 5, verse 15. The word circumspectly is a big English word that just basically means walk carefully. Watch where you walking. And so, how then should we walk? That is the title of my message. How then should we behave? How then should we walk? That's a shorter title because the long title is this. Participation, association, correlation, connection, and affiliation, but without contamination. Amen? Let me repeat that again. Participation, association, correlation, connection, and affiliation, but without contamination. When you're dealing with a battery, it has battery acid. You need to be very careful. So you put rubber gloves on or you put goggles on to make sure because you're dealing with a corrosive agent. 
You deal corrosive things with gloves. You, anything that's contaminated, you put a mask on, you put goggles on because you need to handle it, but you need not to be contaminated. You see, Jesus gives us a very good example. He says, Father, he says, they're not of this world, but they're in the world, right? So we're Christians. Out there is not a Christian world. Where you work at is not a Christian world. And so it's very important that we understand those dynamics. And let us pray. Father, may your Holy Spirit speak through me. May I become a conduit of your grace. May I, Father, become a reflection of who you are. I pray, my Father, that you would just cause me to become transparent and invisible. And that your word, Father, will be magnified in the hearts of those that are listening be with us, our wives, our children, our homes, and even our, perhaps, our future wife. Be with us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when you look at these scriptures here in the book of Ephesians, I have three verses. The verse 11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Verse 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. So the way to read the scriptures is to look at key words immediately, key words. The first key word is fellowship. The other phrase is unfruitful works unfruitful works here we are told the unfruitful work is the final product of darkness we are told earlier when you look at chapter 5 and we are told in verse 9 for the fruit of the spirit is all goodness righteousness and truth so fruit is the totality of the final product of the spirit of God these worthless for unfruitful words are the finality of the product of darkness. And then we have shameful. Then we have secret deeds. And then we have exposure. We have light. And we also have, obviously, one time only, Christ, Jesus Christ. Those are the key words. But we also have contrasts. There is light and darkness. There is a sleep and there is awake, alive and dead. So we need to see metaphorically here what is darkness. Here in the Bible, it's not just the absence of natural light or the absence of artificial light. In the Bible, light always speaks of something that not only dispels and penetrates darkness, but in the Bible, the concept of light appears numerous times in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It begins in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says that God said, let there be light, and there was light. But that's illumination light. We need to be very careful the reading of scriptures because when you read it, it reveals that this physical entity that we call light is actually only the second form of light in the universe because everywhere the Bible declares 
that God himself is light. 1 John 1, 5 says, This is the message which we heard from him and declared to you that God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. So light is not just illumination, either natural or artificial. Here light is God himself. And the Bible says through the gospel of John that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who walks with me, fellowships with me, who behaves like me, shall never walk in darkness and they shall never stumble in the darkness. Walk while you have the light. I am the light of the world. Amen. So light, disregard the sun or disregard artificial illumination. Here, light and darkness, darkness is another metaphor. Darkness is not the absence of light. Darkness in the Bible stands for the Christless life. Darkness is hostile to the light and truth of God. Darkness stands for ignorance, a life apart from God. Darkness stands for the chaos of a life without God. Darkness stands for the corruption and the dishonesty of the Christless life. Darkness characteristically is unfruitful, unprofitable, unrewarding, empty, vain, and also shameful. Darkness is connected with lovelessness and hate. Darkness is the abode of the enemies of Christ and the final goal of those who will not accept them but reject them. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 30, and throw the worthless servant outside into outer darkness where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So there you have both metaphors for light and for darkness. As we begin reading this, there's the personal pronoun, them. Notice in verse, um, bear with me, verse 12. For it, is a shame, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Now, who are them? You have to go back, 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 back. And you, you, you go up to at, the, at the beginning of chapter 5, and still you got to go in reverse, 32, 31, 30. You got to go to 29 of chapter 4. They're not there yet. You go to 28. You go to 27. You go to 26. You go to 25, and they're not there yet. And you go to 24, 23, 22. They're not there yet. You go to 21. You go to 20. They're not there yet. And 19, 18, and 17, that's where they're at. That's them. And who are them? This is the only negative. God says, walk in light, walk in love, walk carefully, walk with the calling worthy of your calling. Those are all good, 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 good. But this is the only time he says, do not walk this way. Look, look what it says in verse 17 of chapter 4. This I say, therefore, and I testify in the Lord, that you should not longer walk as the rest of the pagans or Gentiles walk. And notice there are eight characteristics, and they're all very pathetic. Now, before we look at them, may I ask you, all of you who are Christians right now, this is the way you used to walk. This is the way I used to walk. There's, there's eight characteristics here, eight of them. 
They're all tore up, jacked up, looking up. They're all messed up. This is, this is what ignorance does. This is when we have our minds that are darkened. We have no, no conclusive, no healthy logic. We're like beasts with no morality, with no compass. We do what we want, and we do whatever the hell I want to do. Forgive me. My, my wife doesn't like me to say that word. Because she said it reminds me of my life before. That was one of my favorite words. Go to hell. Shut, shut the hell up. And she said, you say it with so much gusto, and I don't like the way you say it. And it's true, and I true, and I apologize. But that's the only way I can describe to you the life before Jesus. It was a life of hell, hellish, demonic, drugs, and, and decisions that I made only hurt myself and hurt my family and those that loved me. And then that circle got bigger. I began to hurt society. And so, notice, there's eight things. This I testify, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer behave as the rest of the pagans behave. Number one, in the futility of their mind. Secondly, they have their understanding. What's that word? Say it loud. Darken. Being alienated from the life of who? Of God. Why? Because of the what? The ignorance that is in them because of the what? Of the blindness of their what? Now think about it. The, the heart can't see. Again, metaphorically. If your heart cannot see injustice, if your heart cannot see pain of others, and then you have hardening of the heart. Your heart cannot see. Your heart cannot feel. We ought to. And yet we are told that these people here, these pagans, it says that their heart is very blinded. Verse 19, who being past feeling, they have no sensibility, have given themselves over to lewdness and to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20, a contrast and exception. But you, believer, you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and you have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So going back to our given verses, now that you know who he's speaking about, let's read it in context. Verse 11, because we are children of the light. He says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. As believers, we are told that we are not to have any kind of fellowship. Many people get confused with this. We don't want to hang around with the non-believers. We don't want to talk to the non-believers. I'll go shopping at a Christian market. If, if something's wrong with my plumbing, I get a Christian plumber. If something's wrong with my roof, I get a Christian roofer. That's, that's, that doesn't work that way. That's not what he's speaking about. Listen to what Paul was saying. In 1 Corinthians 5, 9, this is what Paul said. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Notice the clarification. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous of this world or the extortioners of this world nor the idolaters of this world. If that was the case, he says, you would need to go out of the world. He says, but now I have, I have written to you specifically not to keep company with anyone named a brother 
who is sexually immoral, covetousness, idolater, reviler, or drunker, or an extortioner to not even eat with such a person. Within the church, someone who proclaims and professes to be a believer and thus any of those immoral situations, we as believers have to say, homeboy, that, that doesn't fly here, bro. We're born again. But you don't have that right when you go to work and you see someone who's a pagan, they don't even know Jesus, and they're behaving in such a way. That's not, doesn't give us a right. I mean, how many of you work, in, uh, for the exception of the pastors here, how many of you work or used to work in an all-Christian environment? Raise your hands. Look at around. Four people that work at a convent, right? <laughs> a monastery. But all of us, all of us, I've only been a pastor for 27 years. I'm 66. I've been working since I was, since I was 11 years old. And I work with heathens and pagans. When I got saved, I work in an environment where we're all hoodlums in a warehouse. And during break time, we will go in break time and we go smoke weed and we drink for a whole hour and we look at all pornography. That's what we would do. And then I became a Christian. Then I began feeling uncomfortable with him. The things that we're saying, the things that we're doing, and other guys had an adulterous affair, and for a, for a moment there, I just felt awkward. I, I couldn't run with him anymore. And so instead of criticizing them because I sounded like a religious man, I just, you want to go to lunch, Juarez? I go, no, no, you go to lunch. And I got my own chorizo burrito. I'm staying here. It's okay. And pretty soon they knew that I was already shying away from them. Because I couldn't run with them anymore. I couldn't drink. I even, even, I couldn't even hold a joint like I used to. You know what I'm talking about. You just hold that. I became a Christian. I, I, it wasn't the same anymore. Christ was not living inside of me. The light has come upon the recesses of my darkened soul and illuminated. I was enlightened. That's the right term. The light of God, the truth of God, the hope of God, the salvation of God, the grace of God, the comfort of God, the tranquility of God overwhelmed me. I was exuding with light. I just didn't know that. I just didn't want anything anymore. Everything was free. Here free. All of a sudden I realized everything's free after I became a Christian. Everything's free before I had to buy for it. And now I became a Christian. Oh, it's on the house. Then I realized this is a spiritual attack, man, because not everybody gives weed for free. You understand? And so all of a sudden, I, I, by my actions, I was reproving them. I was saying, no, 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 I, I'll stay away. See, Jesus did not stay away from the sinners. I want you to understand that. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 5.14 on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor they can light a lamp and put it under the basket. But they put it on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That means that we ought to go, if you have a light, where can you use the light? When it's dark. So if you're going to go to a neighborhood that you know is dark spiritually, you need to have your light on. Right on? You need to have your light on. 
Now, you guys are used to this, this beautiful, <laughs> it's a beautiful display of heaven. You guys are, all I see is smog and illumination. You don't, see, you don't see the black sky. Last night, when I stepped out of here, my wife and I, we were shocked again. Dude, look at all the stars. Trip. A lot of stars, man. I had to take a video, man. I took a video. And I sent it to the family. I said, this is the sky. This is stars. Amazing. Amazing. And so Jesus hung around with people that were living in darkness. And they were criticizing. He says, make up your mind. He says, John the Baptist came. And he wasn't drinking. He wasn't eating. And you said, oh, he's crazy. So the Son of Man comes, and he eats and drinks, and you call me a glutton and a wine-bibber. Make up your mind. So Jesus reminded us that we are to go and share our little light. Again, let me remind you, darkness in the Bible is not only physical darkness, but is the absence of natural light. But here is much more than that. It refers to spiritual blindness, death, ignorance, hell, perdition, confusion, chaos, Satan, evil, ungodliness, eternal damnation. And metaphorically, it speaks of spiritual or moral darkness. It becomes the emblem of sin or as a condition of moral or spiritual depravity. Like Ephesians 4.17, it says their mind is darkened. Blind. They can't see. And so what do we do? We're in the world. And yet, you work in the world. You deal in the world. We're not to get away from them. The Bible says, put on your little light. A little light. You would think that perhaps, I have my timer here, right? You can't see this. But in total darkness, this little illumination can guide you around three, four feet in total darkness. How do you know, eh? I tried it. I tried it. Total darkness. I put on my phone, and just the numerical numbers here, that you ought to see illuminates the daylight out of the room. Just a little light. And that's what God is asking us. God is asking you and I, to participate, to associate, to correlate, to connect and affiliate, but not to become contaminated. This is Jesus' prayer in John 17, 14. Father, I have given them your word, and the word has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Amen? They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So here we have an exhortation. There we find in verse, in verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. That basically means have nothing to do with the unfruitful actions of darkness. Take no part in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Don't participate. Don't get involved and don't partake to have any sympathy or indulgence or excuse for them. 
When they begin to do certain things, who is they? Those who walk in darkness, those who have the mind darkened, those that are alienated from God, those who do not have God, you are supposed to love them. We are not told not to participate with the sinners. We are told that we are not to participate in the fruit of darkness. Not them. They're dark. We are to light the gospel for them. But when they begin to do certain things that you know they're against the law, they're against natural law, they're against the law of conscience, and further, they're against the law of God, you as a child of God, you got to put the light on. Can't do that, bro. You cannot do that. And this is what God is asking us, to expose them to the light. The light is you by your behavior, by your conduct, how you behave, how you comport, how you respond. I have people tell me, this is a great compliment. I, this compliment may not sound com complimentative, but this is what they say things like, you're weird. <laughs> but let me, let me explain to you why. You see, there are people in public service, let's say the DMV, they're hated by everybody, the Department of Motor Vehicles in California. And everybody there has a mad dog. What next? Because the people just mean to them. Why? What, what do you mean? What kind of window? I mean, when is this window? Man, you're in the wrong window, sir. There's a bunch of sign. You're in the wrong window. You got to go to that window. So all day long, they get that. So I get there. I said, good morning. I understand. I said, thank you so much. I really appreciate your job. Thank you so kindly. Then they start responding like human beings. And you kill him with love, and you kill him with kindness and courtesy and dignity. Dignity. That lady behind me, she could be a mom. She could be a single mom. She could be your mother. You've got to give her respect. And the way you behave in such a way, see, they don't have the vocabulary. They don't know how to say, you're very different from the rest of society. So they resort to this refrain, you're kind of weird. <laughs> and I understand that. It's not an offense to me. They just lack the ability to communicate and say things right. And I ask you, weird because why? Nobody says hello. Nobody says thank you. Well, yeah, I do. And pretty soon they ask me, what do you do for a living? What do you do? I said, why? He goes, because you're different. And I understand that. Your disposition. Think, think. If you see a Doberman pincher and he's running at you, and you, oh, Lord, have mercy. And he's coming at you. He's big and those ears are pointing to you and he's coming at you. And then he stops in front of you and goes, meow. And you go, something's wrong here, man. He's weird. That's not what I expect from a Doberman pincher. I expect a growl. I expect a bite. That's the nature of a dog. But all of a sudden, he changes with a different nature of a docile individual. You see, that's the world. You can be all tatted out. You can be all cowboyed out. You look mean. You walk in there, you go, hello. Whoa. Your smile, your graces, your goodness. I'm not asking you to do anything else that the spirit has not allowed you to have. The spirit of God, we are told the fruit of the spirit is, first of all, love, joy, kindness, goodness, self-control. And when you have those manifested, 
Listen, in California, I have a problem. I don't have it anymore, but I, I used to drive a, a Cooper, a Mini Cooper. And man, it, it wasn't me. It was just a fast car. I was just, I was just cruising, cruising. It'll go like 85. And sure enough, got stopped several times. I got stopped and know how to be stopped, man. I get stopped. 10 to 10, 10 to 2, right here. Hands on the wheel. My fingers are open. Stand still. Don't move. Don't try to get your wallet. Don't act stupid. Just stand still. Cop comes in, and he sees me. Can I get your license? It's behind my pocket, sir. Madam, can you get it? Okay. Get it out. Open it up. Open it. A little exaggerated, but nowadays you have to. Because he, he, he needs to go home. Take my license plate. In the meantime, I'm responding. Yes, sir. No, sir. No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You know you were going fast. I beg your forgiveness. I, I, I didn't realize this is a new car, and I'm not used to fine cars. I always get used cars. This is the new car I ever had in my life. Sir, he says, well, he says, uh, when's the last time you got a ticket? Oh, around three years ago. And, uh, but... It is what it is, sir. I apologize so much. I'm so sorry. It goes a long way. He goes, listen, I'm going to let you go. And here's why. You're a polite young man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You can say, ah, you're putting it on. You bet I'm putting it on. <laughs> Isn't that what the Bible says? Get rid of the old man and put on the new man? Isn't that what it, isn't that what it says? Isn't that what it says? Okay, you're a macho man, right? You're a macho man. The Bible says any idiot can start a fight, but it takes a wise man to stop one. So ladies, I mean, guys, you, get, you go home and wait for a fight with your wife. Wait for a fight. She expects you to bark. She expects you to get angry like you always do. Tweak her. Tweak her mind. When she's angry, you're angry. Go up to her and says, honey, it's my fault. I was wrong. Please forgive me. She's going to say, man, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you to that church every Saturday. Because you realize your comportment, you're putting on Jesus Christ. You're putting on your light before God. And then we are told, he says, for the fruit of the, forgive me, in verse 12, it says, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Paul was so diplomatic. Remember, now he's writing to the Ephesians. If you don't know a little background about Ephesus, I've been there by the grace of God. I've been to ancient Ephesus, I think, four times already in the last 27 years. We just went last year. I took a group from my church, and we visited all the churches from the, uh, the seven churches of the New Testament, the antiquity. And so there in Ephesus, there was this temple, the Temple of Diana, one of the ancient wonders of the ancient world. And part of their, uh, there's some young people here. I need to be careful. But there was just a sacral prostitution. Thousands of women, beautiful women, 
These were not just women. These women were selected to become representatives of the Queen of Diana. They had to be proportionally well-built and beautiful, and all they would do is offer themselves at a price for the sake of the worship of Diana. And so, some of the things they would do. Paul gives us a hint. Notice in, in verse, in verse uh, 5, forgive me, Verse 3 of chapter 5, he tells us, for, for, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. So Paul the apostle was saying that there are those people who will do things in secret in such shame today. 20, 30 years ago, what you see today on the movies, what you see today on cable television, that would never occur today is blatant. Today, it comes on my phone, unsolicited. I have seen it. For me to deny that I have not seen some graphic pictures, it's a lie. I own a smartphone. People send stuff that's not supposed to be there. How many know what I'm talking about? Well, you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm speaking to the wrong people then, man. You may not, you don't have phone access then, right? I get stuff here that uh, emails, texts. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, love you. So you have to make a decision. Entertain it. Or say, Lord Jesus, help me in Jesus' name. Erase it. I'm in. I've seen, I seen enough already in my, in my life. For two lifetimes, I've seen enough already. I don't need that. But it only, it only tarnishes me. It belittles me. It, it, it stupefies me. It causes me to behave different any time I see any of that stuff. Because those are the deeds of darkness. And we live in the world. We cannot isolate ourselves. We cannot just be alone. We need to go out there and put on our little light. Someone said in, in Proverbs 13:9, the light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6:14, he says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? Again, we are supposed to illuminate the deeds of darkness. The sinner already knows he's in darkness. He already knows that. But we are told as Christians, as citizens of this community, we know better. And when those you hang around with, those who are, are not Christians, who do not behave and walk like you behave under the dictates, under the governorship of the Lord Jesus Christ, under the empower of the Holy Spirit, when they don't walk like you walk, you have to say something. Either don't participate anymore, don't consent to them, don't laugh at what they do. Just basically say, that ain't right, homeboy, that ain't right. And you walk away. You may lose a friendship, but you give a testimony. I don't run this way anymore. Because that's what happens, man. You get with people, whoever you hang around with, and, and they begin to do things in darkness. Look at this, this, this real quick. Like There was a prime collapse of homes. In, in 2008, I got to be careful because this may get to my church. <laughs> there were some people that were making good money 
on the prime rate. Everybody qualified. Even if you were a homeless person, you qualified for a $600,000 home. Everybody was qualifying. And the homes were going up. I mean, incredible. Your house worth $200, and in six months, it was worth almost $800,000. And people sold their house for that much, made that money. Everybody made money, and they went and bought a bigger house because that house is going to go bigger again. And all of a sudden, boom, it went out. And then people lost money. And a lot of the people, they knew what they were doing. It was wrong. It was callous. It was unethical. What they were doing, they knew it would be collapsing. But they were greedy. And they went and bought this. They went and bought that. They went and bought this. And when it collapsed, they collapsed too. A lot of those people are no longer walking with Jesus Christ. They're disillusioned with him. It was not Jesus' fault. It was their greed. They were walking in darkness. As war says, slipping into darkness. Mama said, Mama said, I'm slipping into darkness. We are told that we are to hold on the light. What are the benefits of walking with, with Christ? I don't know about your life, but my life, you ever heard that expression? Man, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in the, I'm in the dark. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Man, I wish I would be enlightened. Well, before Jesus, ignorant, vices, sin, guilt, drugs, loss, confused, alcoholic, explosive anger, dominated by foolish pride, blaming others for shortcomings, a demise and brokenness in and about, bondage to work, uh, Fear, misguidance, stealing and cheating, wasting my time with cheap talking wine. And yet Paul the Apostle reminds us that God has delivered us from the power of darkness. So the question is to you, for you and for me. Are you dealing with people who are doing deeds of darkness? And you stand there agreeing, consenting, or just participating with him without standing for what is right, illuminating the light of Jesus Christ. Not on them. You just got to illuminate their bad works. This is not cool. Not them. But they have to see your light. Chuck Smith said this, I think we make a big mistake many times seeking to drive out the darkness. To fight the darkness, the best way to get rid of darkness is just to turn on the light. It's that simple. We spend so much time trying to deal with darkness, trying to drive out darkness, but how much better? Just turn on the light, and the light will dispel the darkness. In the Bible, and I close with this, contrast. Remember, there's a contrast here, life or death. Well, Light and darkness has also contrast. If you are dominated by darkness, there's fear. You're dominated by the light, there's comfort. Darkness, ignorance, light, knowledge. Wickedness, light, goodness. Crime, light, virtue, and honesty. Darkness, depravity, light, kindness. Darkness, sin, light, Salvation, darkness, I was lost, light, I was found. Darkness, I was blind, light, now I see. Darkness, 
punishment, light, forgiveness, and exposure. Darkness, lying, and cheating, truthfulness, and truth. And lastly, darkness, death, light, life. The words of Jesus, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. So I ask you today, men, walk as children of light. As pilgrims, put on your lights. As men, put on your lights. As husbands, put on your lights. As citizens of the kingdom of God, put on your lights. As citizens of the heavenly parts of Jesus, put on your lights. Put on your lights. Put on Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. I don't know what's happening, man. Oh, here we go. That telling me that's it. It doesn't matter how powerful your light is. The little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. But I... I'll give you a warning. I don't have to tell you this here. But when I go camping and I put on a lantern, all kinds of bugs come. All kinds of weird animals. All, ki all kinds of animals come in. All kinds. So listen, the moment you put on the light of Jesus Christ, you're going to attract people by your kindness, by the joy, by your response how you say hello and greet the invisible people. What are invisible people? The peons of society, those that do work you don't you wouldn't ever do, and they don't talk, they have their head bowed, because they don't have any kind of dignity. And when you become a child of God, when you begin respect humanity, regardless of their color, of their creed, or where, where they're from, and you respect them with respect, brother, 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 your testimony will go loudly. Try it. Listen, tomorrow, tomorrow, wherever you go. No, Monday, Monday, Monday. Watch. I prove it. When you go to work, wherever you go on Monday, go with a smile. Just walk, whatever you just go. Morning. Morning. That's it. Watch. You're going to have three, four people. They're going to ask you things like, what's wrong with you? Yep. Yep. Right? Yep. Are they going to say, are you high? <laughs> or the other one, are you on medication? Or the other one, what do you have that I don't have? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this afternoon. Thank you for the privilege and the time that I have. I pray, my Lord, that you remind us once again that we are children of the light and we are not to walk in darkness, period that we are not to have fellowship with the deeds of darkness, but rather expose them as we share our little light, the illumination of Jesus Christ, the light of this world. For him there's no darkness, for he is the light of the world. And we are like a city that is up on a hill full of light. And so help us as we take our little lamp to work, to home, the sphere of our influence, and, Lord, if we're hanging around with people who are in darkness and they refuse to come to the light, we must make a decisive decision to cut away from those things. 
may you be with us, may you go before us. For those of us that are married, may you cause us to love deeply our wives, even though we may not feel like it. May your Holy Spirit give us a spiritual sense of appreciation for who they are and what they do as they put up with even ourselves. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.